You are listening to the Keenum Vision Podcast, produced by SalesforceDevOps.net. This is Episode 4, broadcast February 4th, 2022. Professionalizing Business Engineering, an interview with Gil Hoffer of Salto. Let's commit. Welcome, everybody. This is Vern from uh, SalesforceDevOps.net with the Keenan Vision Podcast interview series. And this week, I've got Gil Hoffer from Salto. And uh, hey, Gil, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, Vernon. Uh, great. Great to be here. Uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yeah, we picked a good time to record because yeah. um, I'm, I'm not drunk yet, mm-hmm. so it's good. It's good. And I think, um, you know, I was looking at your website and you guys, you got a lot of nice, very interesting technical articles in there. And I think what's kind of cool would be to maybe hear this story about how you thought about, um, like, as you've been in businesses, building businesses, running businesses, building software, then you came to this idea that, oh, I kind of need this meta way to describe everything. So, and, and that, so, so that seems to be kind of what Salto is all about. Am I, am I right about that? I want you to give us the pitch. Yeah, sure. I, I can give the pitch and the, the background story. Uh, I'll start with the background story, actually. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, Salto isn't our first company, right? Um, we're, we're three founders and before all Salto, we had a company which was called Rovello Systems. A very different domain was a virtual cloud provider, basically. And it was a mm-hmm. SaaS company using all the usual business applications to run the business. They were using, obviously, Salesforce for, for the bulk of the things, but also Marketo and, and Zendesk and Jira and, and, and you name it. And mm-hmm. the thing is that that company, we ran it from 2011 to 2016. And we noticed as we ran it that the way that we manage our business application, it was like the weakest link in the company. Um, we're really good with developing software and uh, marketing and sales, et cetera. But the way that we actually right. did Salesforce implementation or market implementation, et cetera, it was like the, a hot potato that we kept on bouncing between different departments. And we realized that it was because it didn't feel like a natural part of the profession of any of the different departments. And then we got acquired by Oracle. Um, Mm-hmm. And yep. then we saw basically the same, but to the extreme, right? One of the first things that I had to do there was to integrate Ravello into the big Oracle machinery to enable the Oracle sales people to sell us. And the, <laughs> the complexity in just basically introducing like a skew, uh, a catalogical number for Ravello was so right. big. Um, just realizing what's implemented, what you need to do, how you actually manage that change, all of those, it made us realize, well, the way that people today manage your business application, it's, it's, it's backwards. Now, interestingly enough, while we were doing that, we were dealing a lot with infrastructure as code and the way that organizations right. manage their infrastructure on AWS or GCP or VMware even before. And the thing there is that the type of problems that I described were actually quite similar before folks adopted best practices from software development, hence 
DevOps, infrastructure as code, etc. And so, 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 let me jump in there. So, so you, you got um, as an operator of your own company where you had to acquire the services to run it, like marketing, ERP, uh, sales and marketing, mm -hmm. you realized that, that the slowest part of that was you had to take time out to configure the darn things all the time. Yeah. And there was a lot, a lot of clicky stuff involved in that. And it seemed inexact and and kind of like wasted effort sometimes. Yeah, it, first of all, it was very um, labor intensive. And on top of it, yes. it was actually scary because if I compare <laughs> it to developing right. software, then you have a version of your code in your source control. You can test it in a, in a testing environment. You can roll back. Right. And here we wanted to do some changes in our modeling in Salesforce and it was really scary. What will happen? If we make a mistake here now, we've got tons of data correct, corrupted and different processes is not, are not going to run correctly. Um, mm -hmm. So we realized that it, it can't really work like that. And because the industry already solved some very similar problems in the domain of IT, yes. we wanted to basically enable the business applications, business operations around Salesforce and NetSuite and Zendesk and Jira, all of these different business applications to walk more similar to the way that they do it there. So that's a backstory for, for Sato. And as, as you mentioned- So, yeah. so let, me, um, let me go, let me put in our favorite an analogy here. Cause I think, so, so you mentioned this kind of leap that maybe DevOps had at one point where they were able to um, put the idea of how you configure like a virtual machine or a cluster or some sort of like physical what used to be thought of as a physical part of your architecture, you could do that now in, in code, like how HashiCorp Terraform works, where you can specify all these things and then put it into uh, you know, a Git repository and other things like that. And that, and that you've basically, are you, are you a little obsessed with this idea of taking uh, that idea and applying it to the configuration management problem? Sounds like it. Yeah, because first of all, the, the analogy to, to Terraform is, is very accurate. It, it's correct uh, because what we basically did, we created a language, which we call NACL, uh, NACL, which is a right. pun. Uh, it's a not an configuration language. and just happens to be the chemical sign of salt. Um, and we... Enable that we connect to different business applications, we extract the configuration and do code generation into Knuckle. And now you can version control it, you can change and deploy it back, you can branch out, you can review, etc. And one of the hobbies that I have is to keep on testing this concept on some additional business applications. Like we can project, mm -hmm. let's connect to whatever, Okta. Let's see how the configuration would look for, for it. And the thing is that this approach is really powerful because then you can have exactly the same processes when you manage your Salesforce instance and your NetSuite instance or your Zendesk instance. And we believe that because organizations today, they use so many different critical business applications, they need to be able to unify the processes of understanding what's implemented, 
doing uh, changes to the configuration, collaborating on those, monitoring those. Right. So, yeah, you can say I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's fascinating because you're existing at this level that I call SaaS DevOps, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit more so than some of the other uh people in the Salesforce DevOps world, where you, you are thinking about all the, the different uh, SaaS applications kind of like as a whole for, for the business. And I think uh, th that's a natural evolution. And, and I think some people may discount the idea of SaaS DevOps a little bit just because they say, oh, well, you know, my SAP doesn't have to talk to my Salesforce or, or this, that, or the other thing. And I think you touched on an interesting uh, aspect of that it's more that people want to do governance on all these systems mm -hmm. better yeah and that a tool like salto can help you do that yeah so it's around governance but also let's uh, pick a system let's say zendesk so it's mm -hmm. it's a critical system right it is the way that many modern large enterprises manage your customer support if something is wrong there then well your customers are going to notice it and it is being managed mostly in a very manual way, uh, which is very error-prone. And we have customers, we have tens of different Zendesk instances were being managed completely mm. manually. And I think that mm. the Salesforce, if we look at the Salesforce ecosystem and the Salesforce way of thinking, it is actually leading the herd. Because if we look at the way the things are going today with Salesforce, then People are aware of DevOps. People are aware of the need to do change, change intelligence or the way to, to walk in the right way. I think there are many gaps also in the Salesforce ecosystem. We can talk about that as well. But if we look at the other business applications, then it's missing. And there's no right. sense in building like tens of different solutions for all of those because the core problems are exactly the same. Around visibility, change, uh, governance, compliance. Um, yeah. So let me let's let's uh, switch topics here a little bit. Um, I think uh, I'm interested when I was I was looking at your bio and I and I couldn't help but notice uh, uh, that as a, as a child you grew you had a certain fascination with a certain platform. Why don't you tell us how you like uh, got started with tech as a kid in Israel. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Israel and I actually started at the age of six um, because um, my, my father was into uh, electronics and one day he brought a Commodore 64 home. And I was a curious kid and I had an older brother and I was sitting behind his shoulder. And then I realized, well, th this machine is really interesting. And because there were like games and I, I don't know, and so the Color 64, if you're familiar with it, you basically had to program in basic in order to use it. And mm -hmm. well, I, grew up in <laughs> I didn't even know English. So funnily enough, my ah. first words in English are print, go to home. Oh, yeah. We're set yeah, in print. Exactly, and... load. <laughs> so it was like a necessity to, to learn how to so at the age of six I I learned some, some basic to 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 use the Commodore 64 and then I progressed to I don't know Pascal C VB whatever as a as, as a kid and teenager teenager. Um, and the next step was when I joined the Israeli army, uh, like many others in Israel, and joined a really 
great yep. technological unit um, and that was I met incredible people very smart folks all around you and that was like an accelerator for everything technical uh, in, in my capabilities yeah so uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to ask many uh, journalistic questions about unit 8200 mm -hmm. but I think they'd have to kill yeah, you that most right? likely that... me or you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that so, and then that kind of passion it seems to be carrying through. Is there like uh, is this love with code? Um, sounds like it started early on. Yeah, so it's it's this love with code and this love with solving problems. I would say. Right. Um, right. I, I'll give you like a nice example. Uh, as when I were like. A teenager so my girlfriend she actually she's my wife now uh she volunteered with uh, uh some other privileged kids who needed her help etc and one of the things she said all day playing all kind of memory games and she said well can you do something to help them so i created all kind of games from them like with their pictures and their day-to-day etc so it was always around trying to find like real problems that someone cares about and see how I use tech mm -hmm. in order to, to solve those. Mm -hmm. And well, that was in the army, then later on in Ravello. And obviously we started Salto because we're seeing some huge gaps in the market that, that we can help real people with real problems to basically also fast forward their careers. Because if we look at the administrators and developers in Salesforce and the other business applications, one of the realizations that we had is they're basically all of them are developers. Some of them are no-code developers or low-code developers, but the practices that right. they use in their day-to-day -day are exactly the ones as developers. And we need to enable them to utilize right methodologies, for example, around versioning and to be able to review each other's work and to be able to understand the impact of the changes. And we really do think that eventually all of these, and we use the term business engineers in many cases, they're basically engineers mm -hmm. uh, with the skill sets of an engineer that we need to enable them to do that. And that would be great for their careers as well as for the companies that they work for as well as for the entire ecosystem, because it's not now, yeah. now, do you see, um, so we're talking about these business engineers. Are they somebody who always are, is going to work in, in knuckle or work in code? Or, mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely have to have a, um, a place for the low-code developers or business uh, people as well, because that's what's been driving Salesforce. Of course, of course. And that's one of the the things that, one of the design goals that we had when we started Salto was to mm -hmm. let them walk where they are the most productive. So they would, our line of thinking right. is you develop your solution using no-code tools, still walk natively in Salesforce, you build a flow or a layout or add some custom objects, etc. When you're down develop, when you're done developing, you basically we call it fetch. You fetch the configuration into Salto, and then you basically see your, your diff. That was the development part, but that's just the first part of the right. um, uh, SDLC, right? The software development lifecycle. Now you need to to right. test it, to version, to collaborate, to release, etc. Those 
are battle-tested methodologies that the software industry created in like 60 years, right? Of how you actually do that with Git, CI, CD, et cetera. Those you do with Knuckles. But the actual development is still being done natively in, in Salesforce or, or in Zendesk or in NetSuite or in Jira or whatever business application you're using. And they're also, it's also done in Salto, right? There's um, your, the way that your application works, as I recall, is that you have your own user mm -hmm. interface and the way that you manage the application and so forth. So even though there's this underlying foundational code aspect, which is fantastic as a software engineer, mm -hmm. I love that idea. But I think uh, it, it's also, you're striving to make it compatible with the whole Salesforce. Yeah low code. Yeah, exactly. So once you fetch those changes into Salto, you've got your code view, but you can also look at it more mm -hmm. semantically. And for example, compare different environments and then a clone, a clone a change from your source to your target environment. You can think of it as a, a change sets on, on steroids, basically. Um, mm -hmm. While you understand all the different dependencies, because let's let, let, let's be honest, no one really likes change sets, right? Um, and right. If we look at yeah, if we look at some of the, the problems with them is that you're missing a lot of required information when we create a change set, like what was changed, uh, when, by right. whom, what kind of dependencies between uh, parts, etc. And all of these are basically traits of the, the code and changes that we just had. So we're having a very nice user experience to actually allow users to, to do that also in Salto and understand uh, that the impact of the changes integrate with Git, everything is very native in Salto. That's right. And I, I think one of the reasons why I uh, appreciated what you guys were doing was because I realized uh, that you're doing this ingestion thing that you mentioned a few times where you read in uh, the metadata of an org and then also the thing that kind of like goes under underappreciated, I think, then is then what does a vendor do with all of that data once that they have it? Mm -hmm. And what you've done with it is you've put it into an intelligent database that works online. And now I can have this wonderful ability to kind of dump it out as code mm -hmm. as well, the 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 same the same database. And then the fact that, that you've got I believe that the way your architecture works is you have these adapters mm -hmm. then that then work with different SaaS systems. And then that lets, uh, lets you kind of ingest and spread out the, the code the same way for all those different systems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have, we call these adapters, which connect us to different applications mm -hmm. and they utilize the, the, the APIs for, for Salesforce, for example. Then we transform everything into uh, into knuckles or our own representation. And one of the cool things here is that first of all, the, the core technology, the actual engine and the um, our language definition and different adapters, we actually released all of these to open source. And many people ask us, why did you do that? Because it's like core uh, idea yeah. of the company. And the main reason is that we're basically striving to create here a standard for the way business application teams are working and are going to work going forward. 
And we believe, and I think that the entire industry also believes that, that standards today, in order for them to get accepted in those areas, they have to be open. The days of IBM and, and an Oracle sitting in a room and deciding on a standard, they're way in the past. And that's right. the main reasons that we've basically released all of this to open source. And also, as you mentioned, the number of business applications out there which are relevant to this is is huge and it would take a community effort eventually to build all of these adapters and we're already already seeing some vendors who are actually starting to build their own adapters you know to plug into into this one again very similarly Mm -hmm. to what we saw happen with terraform in ashikop right uh when you've got now hundreds and thousands of providers for ashikop for for terraform yeah, I'd encourage everybody listening to go visit the uh, Salto uh, GitHub uh, uh, repo to get more information about it and to actually uh, believe you can download and try it and run it, right? Yeah, of course. Fully functional. And, uh, and that... Uh, and there's uh, even, I think, just details-wise on your website, there is a free version mm-hmm. uh, that people can use, can sign up to use the SaaS hosted product, but there's still like um, free forever with some uh, limitation. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a free forever version of our commercial product, um, which mm-hmm. is mostly around um, impact analysis, meaning being able to understand the different dependencies right. in, in the configuration. So it's like a read-only version of your configuration for a single environment per per business application. That's basically it. Um, yeah. Well, let, it lets you get going and you get you get you some functionality. Yeah. Why don't you? I, I'd like to hear a little bit about the customers. Mm-hmm. You know, like who are what are the the customers who are picking this product? You don't have to name names, or you could, uh, but also. Um, like why did they pick you yeah of course so um we're seeing all kind of different use cases and and, and motivations and i'll touch on 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 a few of those the first one is where we're talking with customers who are visionary um and we're seeing those in small and in large uh, companies for example when you've got a visionary cio who says well i completely get it I want to have the Terraform and Git experience when managing my business applications. And then they get an all-in decision. That's the way that we're going to manage our main business applications. And they usually start, for example, with a simpler use case, like making sure that they put governance in place for the way that they change their, let's say, NetSuite configuration. And after they see that, well, it works well for them, they also start managing all changes in NetSuite like that. Well, and then they see that it works well for them. They start managing their Salesforce CPQ configuration with that. And then it goes uh, on and on. So that's when we're seeing like a visionary CIO or VP of business application, which takes such a, such a decision. We're also seeing companies where they have some very specific use cases that they have in mind and they get to us. For example, around managing their um, change management processes in uh, for Salesforce or for a CPQ with Salesforce uh, using a, a Salto. Um, doing the same for, for Zendesk or for, or for Jira. 
Um, we have some customers who are actually using us. I can mention them by name. It's a public reference. Uh, Monday.com, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're using us in order to create mm-hmm. visibility within their teams to everything that changes in the configuration uh, in areas that they care about. We have a, a nice feature where you can get alerted on Slack whenever someone mm-hmm. changes something in an area that you care about. So that's the way for them. They're an amazing company. Uh, they're all about the visibility and transparency in, the, in this company as, as, a, as part of their uh, culture. And they're using us in order to basically create such visibility and transparency and teamwork for their Salesforce administration team. Uh, so it really changes, mm. but we're mostly seeing it usage with visionary companies who they get it. Uh, and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not very surprising because we're still relatively early stage, right? Um, and But the traction that we're seeing and the direction this is going, we think that it's it's very promising. And the level of discussions that we have today with, with, with our customers and prospects, it's, mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing some, some major adoption in also some larger companies. So if somebody decides to pull the trigger and they're onboarding mm-hmm. with you, is there an extensive uh, onboarding process with customer care or they do they need to hire consultants? Or yeah, so, so we have a really good uh, um, uh, customer success team uh, that helped them. Um, with some of the customers, they pretty oh, they're very technical and capable and they figure out things on their own. With some of them, we help more. For example, one of the things that in some cases people forget about is that when you adopt a DevOps state of mind for managing your changes, it's also a methodology change. And methodologies in many cases need to be worked together with the customer to fit the culture, to fit the organization. So we're also doing that. We're helping them with that. It's included with a part of our service. Um, because, for example, a large company, a very large public infrastructure company uses us for their NetSuite change management uh, flows, for example. They had some very specific requirements which might not fit the usual methodologies that around your usual Git flows, for example. So we worked with them to make sure that, that it, it does fit. I think that's something that we sometimes overlook in the Salesforce DevOps methodologies, that it's not a, a cookie cutter one methodology that fits all, right? And oh, we, right. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think uh, there more diversity is needed. That's why another reason why I was excited by the the tool. Uh, it's it's so influenced by cloud native philosophy, and also you have this requirement to kind of like. Um, it, to make it work with all these other systems. I think that there's other considerations that, that go into it that, that can benefit, to, you know, if you figured out how to do one thing and service now, it's going to help somebody, you know, help you regularize some other problem you might find later on in, in, an, in another system. Yeah, that definitely. Now, and our approach, as, as you mentioned, is very, we're part of the larger ecosystem, right? We need to, be at the bright building block that connects to the main Git providers, to the main uh, ticketing providers, etc. We're not here to replace any of those. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we're getting close to the end, but I wanted to um, 
ask something else here. The uh, so you you're, you told the story. You were at Oracle, and then I think we didn't quite hear the story from them. And from there on, and I should mention that Salto is um, company based in the U.S. in Tel Aviv, and is um, has got some nice investors uh, who have put a fair amount of money into the company. There's, and I'm sure you've watched the the, the TV series Silicon Valley, just mm-hmm. like everybody else. You got to have a story for me, some uh, crazy thing that happened. Well, you know, along the way, life is so much more boring than uh, how it looks on TV. So, yeah, <laughs> we, have, we have some great investors. We have uh, really top tier VCs in Salto, um, like. Best summer, best they're also an investor in, in Rovello, but also Axel or Lightspeed or Salesforce Ventures. And right, well, yeah. j- just so people know, Bessemer is like the granddaddy of all cloud investors. Yeah. In fact, they created an index called the Bessemer Cloud Index, mm-hmm. and they kind of like invented the idea of investing in cloud. So, um, they couldn't, the, the, the pedigrees are fantastic. On, on all that yeah and, and all of them are great partners really it's it's none of those silicon valley scenes it's not like that in reality really it's, it's a bunch <laughs> of people who wants to do good business and wants to advance the industry it's that's boring that's boring well it's been a favorable funding environment <laughs> yeah. as well yeah uh, that's cool. i think that that's 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 come into play but to to have such a great uh, stable of investors to have uh, taken you out of Oracle to help you yeah. uh, build this business is very impressive. So Gil, that's it. The podcast here. I want, I want you to uh, leave us with like a pep talk on, on why you should care about code and why you should uh, configure your businesses this way. Yeah, so I think, I'm not sure if you should care about code, but I think that you should care about being a professional, we think business engineer, which means that the type of activities that you do, they have a lot in common with those that a developer uh, uh, does. Meaning, yeah, you develop your solution using no code or low code, that's fine. But then you need to be able to work on an existing solution and understand what's being implemented and what's going to be the impact of changes that you're going to do. You need to work in a team. You need to be able to release reliably from your sandbox, your UAT into your production. You need to be able to monitor changes. So all of these activities, well, guess what? People have been doing them for 60 years when they're developing software. So we need to learn from those best practices and we need to be really professional business engineers and be be proud about that. And professional, being proud about your professional, by the way, if we go to the backstory about your profession, I guess that's the yes. number one thing that I learned in that unit 8 200, the, the thing that, that I would have to kill you if we talk about. So, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Wonderful words. Okay, so we got Gil Hoffer, co-founder and chief technical officer of Salto. Thanks again for being a wonderful guest. 
And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Keenan Vision podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Keenan Vision podcast. You can get more information about Salto from their website, which is salto.io. You can reach Gil Hoffer on LinkedIn by his username spelled G-I-L-H-O-F-F-E-R. Please come visit the SalesforceDevops.net website and sign up for email notifications of significant updates. Thanks to 10 Ton Chicken for the music, which is available on iTunes. And be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review about how we did on this podcast. Thanks again.